0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Yeah, it's going to be a great week. Uh, I felt like the Lord just kind of put on my heart. I was praying for you guys this week, and I just really, really kind of had this idea for uh, this Sunday and the following Sunday, just to do a couple, like a two-week kind of thought on the idea of faith-giving. Faith giving. And uh, I was thinking about how important it is at Thanksgiving that we remember all the great things that have happened in our lives, things that are going well. And I'll be honest, I've met very few people that are highly grateful that are highly discouraged. There's something about gratitude and and a healthy mind that travel together. And uh, I think there's something better than Thanksgiving, though. I think that Thanksgiving is awesome, not against it. I'm actually going to celebrate it this week uh, by wearing stretchy pants. but there's something about um, Thanksgiving that's powerful. There's something even more powerful than Thanksgiving, and I believe it's actually faith-giving. Yes. Faith-giving. I'll explain kind of my, uh, my, my, my thought here this morning, but if you have your Bible, if you're new to our church, I want to just say welcome. Uh, today, we're going to turn to uh, Luke chapter 7. I'm going to read 14 verses. Everything that I talk about is connected to these 14 verses. If you don't like church because uh, it's boring, uh, you're going to like our church because it's not. If you don't like church because it's judgmental, you're going to like our church because it's not judgmental. If you don't like church because you think that you learn things that doesn't apply to your everyday life, you're going to like our church. And uh, we're going to try to help talk about things on Sunday that impact Monday through Saturday. And I think that many times we have pastors in the church world that are more of uh, travel agents than tour guides. I uh, I don't want to be a travel agent trying to send people places I've never been. I want to be a tour guide that leads people to where I've already been. Come on, somebody. And so I have, I have news for you today. I sense God's presence in the room, and I'm pretty normal. I was an amateur pro snowboarder in my younger days. Uh, I had a good time. I was a great athlete, really good looking. Come on. It's fun to have the microphone. <laughs> on to Bowflex, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but I was pretty normal growing up, but I had an encounter with God when I was 18, and it would actually change the direction of my life. And I want you to know today, uh, we're, down to, we're down to earth, we're normal here, but we do have a value and an appreciation for the presence of God. And so I want you to be just up front, we're going to tell some jokes, if you don't laugh they stories. <laughs> Tough crowd. Um, but uh, after we do that, I do want to say that we're going to try to teach this text as, as well as we can, but we always try to create space at the end of our experiences for God just to do what he wants to do. People get healed every week in our church. Come on, if you've been healed in this church, go ahead and raise your hand. Just come on as a testament. We've been healed in this. Hands up all over. Come on. Pretty cool. I paid all 25 of those people. So some of you are thinking, he paid these people. They knew he was going to say that. People get healed every week in our church. Uh, every week in our church, people get encouraged. Anybody ever been encouraged in this church? How about anyone rededicate their faith or put their faith in God in, because of this church, the existence of this house? Come on, that's worth giving God a hand clap too. So... I want to be honest with you, we're going to have a good time today, but I also want to be forthright that we're going to go into a place of God's presence, and I think it's going, to, it's going to encourage somebody in a deep way, and so if you have your Bible today, if you're watching online, you can go to Luke chapter 7, I'm going to read 14 verses, I'll tell a couple stories, and if you laugh, we call them jokes, and then after I do that, we're going to kind of dive into this passage, and then at the end, we're just going to ask God to do whatever he wants to do, and everyone said amen. Awesome, so cool We like to say that we're a church for people that don't normally like churches And I've learned that if you can create an environment that non-believers enjoy Believers will really love it And so uh, we're going to have a good time Luke chapter 7, if you're ready to go, Sam, ready? We do talk back here in this church uh, in the most respectful way possible And we're a little rowdy um, If you don't like people getting excited, then stop going to sporting events Or, All right Our great churches, if you got your Bible, Luke chapter 7, I'm going to read a pretty well-known passage for for many of us, Uh, maybe it's brand new for you today, verse 36 is where we'll start reading today, it says this, Then one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, it was, uh, I I thought it was appropriate to do a a passage that involved eating, he said come on over Thanksgiving, we're eating, you know, hogs, dogs, tomatoes, Uh, (laughs) come on over, it says, he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. And behold, there was a woman of the city, woman of the city who was a sinner. And when she knew that Jesus was at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, stood at his feet behind him weeping. She began to wash his feet with her tears, wipe them with her hair from her head, and she kissed his feet. It's crazy, pretty graphic. And anointed them with the fragrant oil that was around her neck. Now, when the Pharisee's who had invited him, Saul, he spoke to himself, had an internal dialogue or thought. He goes, man, if Jesus was such a great prophet, he would know who and what manner of woman this is who was touching him. This woman is a sinner. He said it just like that. <laughs> Jesus said to him in that moment, Simon, I have something to ask you, say to you. Could teacher say it? He goes goes on to say it. There was a certain man, creditor, who uh, he had two debtors. I'll make it modern day. One owed him $15, one owed him 500000 And when they both had nothing to repay him, he freely forgave both debts. Tell me, of the two men, which one do you think would love him more afterwards? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who was forgiven the larger debt or more. He goes, you've answered rightly. He turned to the woman, pointed there, her, said to Simon, hey, you see this woman? I entered your house, you didn't really give me any water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears, wiped them with her hair from her head. You didn't give me any kiss, but this woman has not stopped kissing me in my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant, costly oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which there's a lot of them, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little." Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Those who sat at the table began to say to themselves, who is this man who forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Who wants to live their life in peace? Anybody want to go in peace? I want to talk to you today about really going in peace. I want to talk to you about main course faith. Main course faith is the title of this, this talk this morning. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for the opportunity to be at my favorite church in the whole world, my favorite people. So grateful, Lord, for everyone that calls this place home and even those that are visiting today. I thank you that you're doing awesome things in our midst. I know we have a a large announcement next week that we're going to make about even got another community that's going to be even becoming a part of what we're doing. And I just ask, Lord, that today, even um, as we get ready to make some awesome, exciting announcements the the weeks following, as we gear up for our first conference and Christmas services, I ask that, Lord, today would be the beginning of a new chapter, a new season of great victory. I pray that you would come in an awesome way, continue to bless the Lakers in Jesus' name. You believe it. Come on. Say Amen amen i pray every week for god's favorite team and uh so good i uh i love thanksgiving i I really do who loves thanksgiving anyone say that thanksgiving's up there amongst the top holidays i don't know why man i'm just like i'm grateful that the pilgrims love to eat and they love football it's like so grateful that they uh they loved it they had belts on their head but they had their priorities in the right place and uh love thanksgiving (laughs) love love thanksgiving slow crowd (laughs) Thanksgiving is the only holiday that we eat the mascot. <laughs> only. I'm gonna stop telling Thanksgiving's jokes, but it's hard to go cold turkey. Um, too. <laughs> kidding, kidding. Uh, no, I love I love eating, man. I, I actually I only exercise so I can I can eat more. I love. I really pretty much exercise to break even. That's my goal. It's like I ate 2,000 calories, burned 1,900. It's good enough. But uh, I uh, I love eating. I'm, I'm at a point in my life that I'll do whatever it takes to have the perfect body, except eat less and exercise. Uh, I, uh, I I do. I love eating. I, I love I love the holidays. Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. My wife makes dishes that are just awesome. I only eat them once a year, so I totally take advantage of it. But uh, there's something just so fun about Thanksgiving. Again, I, if you're wearing jeans, you come on. You know it's a good Thanksgiving when you have to unbuckle. When you liberate the button of your pants, it's like, come forth, Lazarus, you know, like, be released. And he uh, just, uh, there's freedom in that moment. I love eating, though. I love, I love Thanksgiving. Something so awesome about it. Um, but one of my goals, I think the older I've gotten, the wiser I've gotten, that I've tried to, uh, the older I've gotten, not waste my appetite on the minor things. I realize the older I get, I can't eat as much as I used to eat. When I was a kid, I just had hollow legs and... Now I now I can't eat as much food as I used to, so now I'm pretty strategic on saving my appetite for what matters the most. Now every family's different. I know that some of you are like, I don't eat turkey, or I eat ham, or I don't eat ham, I eat steak, or I don't eat meat because I live in Orange County, and <laughs> we eat vegetables that taste like meat. Um, I don't know what your tradition is, but I know that every one of us has a tradition for the holidays of, uh, of what we do, but... I just feel like, you know, for me, one of my goals is I want to I wanna put as much of the main course inside of me as I can. I don't want to fill it on the side dishes. I think a lot of buffets, they try to get you full, right? Like they bring the breadsticks out, right? They bring out the salad. You go to Olive Garden. Come on. You're grazing like, like cows, just grazing on all the lettuce before your food comes out. They're trying to stuff you up before, before they try to you go to restaurants, they try to douse you with water they try to get you as full as they can so you don't have as much of an appetite to eat the things that that maybe have more more value but i was thinking about this this week in the, in the in the context of thanksgiving and try to be aware of the season that we're in and just i really thinking about the holiday and thinking about this week i really felt like the lord was speaking to me about you guys about how important it is to make sure that we keep the main course the main course i was thinking about what is the main course of christianity maybe you're new today you're like i don't even believe in god what is the main course there's side dishes, like, like there's good, good things, some of you like don't even believe in God, but you love some of the, the, side, the side dishes that Christianity offers. Some of you love it and you don't even know about it. Like for instance, do you know that loving your neighbors was a Christian idea? No one else in history said, hey, don't kill the people you hate. In the ancient world, if you didn't like somebody, you took, it, you took them out. Jesus comes along and says, hey, love your enemies. That's pretty amazing. That is an amazing side dish that Jesus brings to the table. Brings another amazing side dish, like, hey, how about this? How about treat the poor well? Treat them with dignity and respect. In the ancient world, they never cared about poor people. Do you know that if you were to remove the Christian values of our of our society, Christians were the ones that started hospitals, healthcare, a lot of the a lot of the, a lot of the social centers for orphans, widows. You, you take away Christianity from the framework of our of our country, and you see that some of the greatest, good, uh, some of the greatest social justice causes on the earth were rooted in Christian values. We're all agreeing on That's good. I think it's good to take care of the poor, and it's good to be nice to people that are that are mean, and jerks. It's good to do that. Those are good values. But I want you to know that social justice is not the focal point of God's justice. There is a main course thinking about, man, what is, what is the main course of, of God's table? What does God delight in the most? And I found this passage in Luke 7, and I taught out of it earlier, this year, earlier in the fall about the centurion, earlier in the chapter, but it's really a chapter about faith. Yeah. Dr. Luke writes this passage. Luke is a physician by trade. He uses the word saving and healing. Ironically, in the Greek language, it's the same word. To be saved and to be healed is the same. And uh, it's interesting how, how it correlates with forgiveness and healing. They oftentimes were connected throughout Scripture. Neither do I, no, neither do I can go and sin no more. Or he said, said things like, uh, your faith has made you well. What's easier to say, get up and walk, or your sins are forgiven? And oftentimes healing and forgiveness were interlinked. Are you following me today? So we find the story of Jesus walking into a Pharisee that had a good heart. This guy doesn't get a good rap because we know a lot of the, the, the dialogue that Jesus has with him. But give him some credit that this guy actually starts off in verse 36 by saying, Hey, I invited Jesus to my house to eat with me. Yeah. This guy's on the right track. He's like, I want to I wanna endorse the ministry of Jesus. I want to I wanna become a fan. I want to start, start getting behind the values and the teachings of Jesus. So he's on the right road. He actually says, come on in, come to my house, eat with me. And as he's there at his table, there's a woman that walks in, and all, all scholars agree, this woman, it says a woman of the city. It's, that is the Bible's way of saying a prostitute from the city. She doesn't just have a sinful past. She has one of the gnarlier pasts that a human being can have. And we find that she comes in and doesn't care about anybody else in there, and she does three things. I believe these three things are pertinent to main course faith. Main course faith. I want to challenge us as we get ready to eat some main course turkey or main course ham or main course prime rib or whatever you're going to eat this week that we're going to be a community that keeps the main thing the main. So many churches divide over the side dishes. Have you noticed this? Well, they don't serve salad like we serve salad. They like sweet potatoes there. We get so offended over the minor things that we forget on agreeing and being unified over the major things. Here's the first major thing that we're going to keep the main course on, is this woman teaches us, who has a very speckled, freckled, colorful past. Number one, here's what we're going to do, is we're going to be a community that, number one, makes a decision to actually seek out where God is. It says that she discovered that he was eating at a particular Pharisee's house, named Simon, and she goes to the house, and she comes to where God is. I actually believe that's what faith does. Faith gets so tired of all the other aspects of life yes. that it gives up on searching for God where He's not found. Yes. Tired, I've, I look for God. I feel like I, I study religions. I went to Christian school. I went to university. I had a professor that talked about how shallow it is to be believe in God, how, how uncivilized or unsophisticated it is to be a person of faith, and we give up on the faith that maybe we grew up having. And we see like this woman that she makes a conscious decision to go back to where she knew Jesus was. Some of you today are here and like, I've been to church in a long time. Some of you are here and like, I don't even want to be here. I don't even believe in God. I want you to say, you're welcome here. And every week you'll continue to be welcome here. So I think God loves it when people actually are curious enough or open enough to go to where he is. So she's there. She searches searches him out. But there's two things that she does. So here's the, here's the commonality. Uh, I remember growing up, you know, as an Idaho the last 17 years, and there's a lot of rivers there. We go whitewater rafting in the summertime, and <clears throat> good guides, we had a couple good guides, we had some bad guides. Bad guides usually are the ones that either end up in the water or you end up in the water. But the good guides, I had a good guide one time, and he said this to us. He goes, Hey, we're coming up on a class four rapid. Do you guys want mild or do you want wild? And come on, we're we're Christians. We're like, we're going wild, man. Take us wild. He's like, mild we go around the rapid. Wild we go in it. But if we go in it, you better pay attention. You're going to end up in the water if you don't. And uh, I think that this story is really a, a, a beautiful picture of someone that has mild faith and someone that has pretty wild faith. Simon's open enough to bring God into his house. And here's what I believe. The main course of Christianity, if you're writing right, notes, here's the big idea today. I believe that God, more than anything else, what He wants you to pass Him the most out of everything on the spread is God's favorite thing for us to pass Him is faith in God. Yeah. You write it like this. I think that what God wants more than anything else from us is to be believed in. Yeah. I think God loves it when we believe in Him. Yeah. God, Let me say this way. God wants to be believed he wants to be believed what do you mean dude i mean this i mean that uh he wants us to believe in two things he wants all of us to believe in his nature and i think beyond his nature god wants us to believe in his ability mild faith believes in nature wild faith believes in his ability good spot for an amen right there if i can't get a pentecostal amen give me a baptist head nod come on give me a presbyterian eyebrow raise or a latter-day saint deep breath come on i'll take anything i can get this morning I'm telling you that many people with mild faith are like, you know, I'm, I'm highly educated, highly sophisticated, I'm ethical, I, I'm, I'm controlled, I'm rational, I'm logical, but I have no passion and I have no freedom. And I believe there's many people that believe in God, but they do not have transformed hearts. Because when you only believe in God's, come on, His, His nature, but you don't believe in the ability to perform what His nature is, you end up like Simon the Pharisee. That starts judging people that have more passion than you have. How dare you raise your hand? How dare you sing? How dare you? This this church is too demonstrative. And we get so wholly sophisticated that we we cross our arms and we start becoming doubters like Nathaniel. Can anything good come out of that type of church? That type of Christianity? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And I love that perpetually over and over again, God specializes in bringing people out of places no one expects. Isn't it funny that God chooses all the barren women that society looked down upon to be the mothers of the great men and women to come in the the history of the faith? It's crazy that that throughout the Bible, I love it, that, that the firstborn son is the one that society celebrates. It's the one that gets all the inheritance or the majority. But throughout the scriptures, God always chose the younger brother to do his greatest exploits crazy right he doesn't choose ishmael he chooses isaac doesn't choose uh esau he chooses jacob it doesn't choose i go down the roster of people he doesn't he doesn't doesn't choose the oldest he chooses the youngest doesn't choose the 11 older brothers he chooses joseph he doesn't choose the older brothers of david he chooses david god is good at using people that no one else uses you can say it like this god will actually um get credit from boys and men that no one expected to be used by from, from women or girls that no one counted on either God specialized in using younger, barren people to do some of his greatest exploits on the earth what do you saying? I, I just, I'm a firm believer of this that many people don't come to the table believing that God can do great things Simon has mild faith think god's he's good but you know god listen i know that miracles stop with jesus um, because he said it in the bible that um he said that go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them but he said this that his power is leaving when the last disciple dies and when the final apostle passes away then all of his presence on the earth is going with them. okay miracles are going to stop when the church all the leaders of the church get taken up to heaven and then we're gonna live, we're gonna survive in Christian caves and ghettos until Jesus comes back and saves us from the big bad devil. Now it sounds kind of like spiritual, but I want you to know there's no truth to that. The Bible that we read does not tell us to believe in a mild faith. It says to be like this woman that actually would seek out where Jesus is and say, Not only do I believe in your nature, I believe in your ability. This lady, you know what she needed more than anything else? She needed to be forgiven. You know what I've learned is that faith will attach to the area of your greatest need. Some of you like, I don't know if I need to be forgiven. I'm living a pretty clean life. Well, what do you, what do? I think faith works best in the area of your greatest need. You can say it like this, that temptation, everyone thinks, well, my temptation is worse than your temptation. The most radical temptation is the one that you're faced with. We're all faced with different temptations, and we're all faced with different challenges. So what do you need faith for the most? You need faith for what you need faith for. You know what she needed faith in? Come on, forgiveness. Which ironically is the greatest need of humanity. It is the greatest need. We know this because if our greatest need was entertainment, God would have sent us an entertainer. If our greatest need was was technology, God would have sent us 2,000 years ago a scientist. If our greatest need was to get money and retire at 31 and golf the rest of our lives, God would have sent us an economist. But because of our greatest need being saving, forgiveness. 2,000 years ago, God sends a lamb. He's slain once and for all to take away the sins of all of humanity. So in some ways, this lady is a microcosm picture of what we all need. We all need forgiveness. And the moment our faith gets mild, it's because we forget the depth of forgiveness that God has already instituted in our lives. Can I ask you, where did God find you at? Some of you have been believing in God for so long, you forgot how lost you were before he came. Some of you are like, I'm not even, I don't even, because he, you don't even realize he's, he's a God that wants to forgive you today. I remember where I was, man. Some of you, you sing in here, like, man, you might judge other people for singing so passionately in church. You have no idea where some of these people were found. You know what that Simon, the mild faith guy said? He goes, this guy was really a prophet. He would know. He would know who this lady is. 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 I think religion always start to, tries to tell us how it is. But I want you to know that who I was is not who I is. And when God comes into your life, he has the power to actually transform your future. It says that she said, God's final words to this lady, the last little cameo we have of this, this woman of the night, this ex-prostitute is, Go, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Her future was not jaded with, with, doesn't say anything about, hey, go and keep on living the way you're living. Doesn't say anything about, hey, your future is marked by tragedy, darkness, and perpetual addiction. Jesus promises that her future is marked by peace. peace. What in the world does, does main course faith do? It goes to where Jesus is, and it doesn't just believe in the nature of Jesus, it believes in the ability of Jesus. That he can actually do, perform, what he says he can do and perform. If he says he can set me free, he can set me free. I think too many of us are living under the water table of what Jesus died on the cross to give us. So, this lady, what they did agree on was that they both, Simon and and this prostitute, they both sought Jesus out. But here's where things got different. Are you ready to go? This is when I went from side dish faith to main course faith. Main course faith doesn't just seek Jesus out. It does two more things. It actually, number two, if you're taking notes, main course faith will actually be willing to let its hair down in the presence of God. Wow. Now, before you're like, "Well, that's cute. That's a, that's a pretty little statement. Two things about letting your hair down. Number one, in the Bible, women's hair represented their glory. So when she lets her hair down and she wipes the feet of Jesus with her hair, she's actually giving glory back to God. But even bigger than this, which most people fail to acknowledge, is that in the ancient world, in the rabbinic culture and traditions, rabbis viewed women in public letting down their hair as such an intimate act that it was actually grounds for divorce if your wife did it in public. You're letting your hair down in public? That is is an intimate act. And I want to remind you, this isn't just a woman, this is a prostitute. So she's doing something intimate, and I didn't go a step further. She's doing something for free to Jesus that she's charged other people. She is being intimate and vulnerable with God. And here's what I believe. Many people, they don't really get close to God or are as close to God as they can because they always come to God with all these trivial conversations. They try to say the right things in the presence of God as though he doesn't see who we are the rest of the week. He saw me raising my hand in that first song. But he wasn't there Saturday night, Friday night. Come on. When I was, he's just Look, I'm just going to pretend that everything's perfect. I want you to know that God sees you at your highest and your lowest. And before you get depressed about that, let me just encourage you in this. God knows you the best, but he still loves you the most. Selah. He knows you the best, but he still loves you the most. You would think it would be the opposite, wouldn't you? You would think that someone that knows the darkest chambers of your heart would actually be the one that's the most reserved to fully embrace you. But it's quite the opposite. You see, my, my daughters, both they both have my last name. They both have the blood flowing through their veins. But I've learned this. My daughters are fully Francis right now. But eventually, they're not there yet because they're little. And when you, when you, in any family, you start off in little incremental steps. It's funny that we all want to be mature in Christ, but no one in this room started off running marathons. Last time I checked, parents got excited when you can walk from the coffee table to the couch. Yeah. Did you see that? They didn't fall on their head. <laughs> People get so excited about the littlest steps. Yeah. And you know, you know what really the goal of walking with Jesus is? Is to grow in your faith. Yeah. I want you to the moment you ask Jesus in your life, you are fully a Jesus son or daughter. Yeah. You're actually a little brother of the Most High God. You are, you, Jesus was the firstborn amongst all creation that you're a family member of Jesus. You are in the family. But just because you're in the family doesn't mean you act like his family yet. You ever notice that babies don't usually, I mean, I have two kids. There's moments that they act like Francis. (laughs) Listen, they're fully Francis, but they don't always act the way Francis should act. And I believe all of you, the moment you invite Jesus into your life, you are a child of God, even though you're still learning how to live like a child. Trying to represent not my first name only, but my last name. Yeah. This lady, she, uh, she does something different. She's willing to let her hair down. It's a very intimate act. And, I, and some of you are like, well, Mark, what was this? I, I want you to think about this for a minute. Think about that the, uh, that the uh, accessibility of God's presence is determined by your willingness to be vulnerable, transparent, and honest about whatever's happening in your life. It's funny that we're like, okay, sometimes high-fiving God with the good moments, but we almost harbor and hide some of the deep-seated pains, doubts, and discouraging moments. Wow. I, read this, I read the Psalms, and I see people like David not just pouring out the high moments of life, but crying out to God with the difficult things. Yeah. I, I want to encourage you today that God can handle anything you can throw at him. Yeah. He's a big God. Yeah. It says to come boldly to the throne of grace. We don't sheepishly go, oh, God, I don't... I, everything's, everything's, everything's awesome, everything is cool when you're part of the team, everything. Uh, We don't just come to God and just pretend that things are okay when they're not okay. But I believe what great faith, main course faith does, is it actually says, you know what God, I'm going to let my hair down in your presence, and I'm going to have an intimate moment with you. I feel like so many people, they just don't have those intimate moments with God. I love singing on Sunday morning, it's not because I have a good voice but it's a it's a space and a time that I can just kind of I can close my eyes, forget about everybody else in the room, just like this woman did. And just begin to wipe my come on, my my the master's feet with the vulnerability of my hair and give him my glory. Third thing that she does. Two things that made it different from her is she let her hair down. And the third thing this lady does that she teaches us if we are going to be the type of community that has main course faith is you have to make a conscious decision, like she did, to pour, to pour it out, to pour it out. Now, be, can I explain this? Uh, in Bible days, uh, as many of you know, alabaster flasks were very costly. In a lot of situations, they were up to a year's wage to actually possess this little flask. had a really narrow bulb at the top. It actually hung from women's necks, and it was a necklace. It was a piece on their necklace, and I don't want to be too graphic this morning, but in the ancient world, there was no A.C., deodorant, and there were smells that made right guard turn left. Are you following me? It was, uh, it was, it was, it was vulgar. It was violent. And a around your neck that would actually, this is crazy, the, the way it was designed, it would let the smell out but not the liquid out. Yeah. And, the, and you couldn't actually, you couldn't pour the liquid out unless the whole vial was broken. Wow. And so this lady, imagine this, and I want to remind you, this is not just a wealthy lady that had a good smell in a stinky world this is a lady that was actually come on a woman of the night by vocation and so this smell is more than just a status symbol it is a part of her livelihood it's what makes her desirable in many ways it's what made her more beautiful it was what made her uh, a greater commodity we go we go we step further it was a part of her 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 craft her trade And it was actually even beyond that, this was a part of her intricate identity. She probably invested in the flask because it was job security for the future. So with that in mind, she comes to Jesus, lets down her hair, intimate thing. And then she would take what's closest to her heart, a necklace that actually was more costly than anything else she owned. That would actually be part of her identity and her future livelihood. And she would be, are you you hearing me today? This is pretty crazy. I wonder why many of us have shallow relationships with God. It's because we've never given him anything that means anything to us. We're going to fast in January. What are you fasting? I'm fasting black and white television. If it means nothing to you, it means nothing to God. There's something about giving God what matters to you. I'm convinced many of us don't ever give God anything that really matters to us. I'm not really doing anything on Sunday. I'll give them Sunday. I'm not... You know, I have this $20. I, I, I don't really need it. Go ahead, God. Take it. We give God the leftovers of our life. And I want you to know that if you want to have main course faith, there's something about giving God, not the, not the peripheral things of your life, but the major parts of your life. This thing I saved up for, this thing means so much to me. Man, I love sleeping in on Sunday. I love football Sunday mornings. I love... I love using my musical gift for Thursday night, Friday night events, bands, writing music for my own brand. I love organizing things for my own business. I love using my creative gift for my own entities. There's something about taking what you're passionate about that means the most to you and saying, God, I'm not going to just use this on me anymore. And I'm not going to just put a little bit on you. I'm going to break open what means the most to me and I'm going to start giving I'm trying it requires faith I'm telling you that, that God's just looking for people that believe that's what faith is faith is acting like God is telling the truth all the time about everything that was tweet worthy right there if people still use Twitter Tweeter. that's what it is Faith is acting like God is telling the truth. Not thinking. Faith is not a thought. It's an action. Faith without works is dead. Come on. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth about everything all the time. That's what faith does. Faith is not, it's not the strength of your faith. It's, it's actually the, uh, it's the object of your faith. This lady goes, I'm not just going to break this out on anything. I'm not going to just give anything. There's a lot of people that believe in everything, but nothing, something. I want to make this clear tonight. We don't have faith in random objects. We're not people of optimism. Faith has optimism, but optimism does not have faith. Optimism is believing that, oh, things are going to work out. It's all going to be okay. The universe has a way of working everything out. It's karma. It's getting what you want to get or what you gave to somebody else. Listen, we don't believe in karma. We believe in grace. Karma is what happens when people get what they deserve. Grace is when you get something you do not deserve. Are you following me? Grace is God treating you the way that Jesus deserved to be treated and treating Jesus the way that you deserve to be treated. Are you hearing me today? We don't believe in karma. I believe in grace. This woman did not deserve forgiveness, but that's what she got. She's not deserve the kindness of God, but that's what she got. I'm fired up this morning. I'm sorry. Two coffees into this thing. I am convinced that this lady pours out, she broke her... She was willing to actually break her identity. She was breaking her security. She was willing to give God what she believed made her desirable. She gave God what was special to her. There's something about giving God what matters to you that touches his heart. When I was 18, God said, Mark, I want you to leave, I want you to leave California. I lived at the time in the high desert, the banking up your almost finished. He said, I want you to go where you don't know anybody or like anybody. I want you to move to Idaho. My God, John Deere tractors, NASCAR fans, um, potatoes. I thought, God, you got your kids mixed up. I did not want to move to Idaho. At that time, 20 years ago, Idaho is not what it is now. It was, it was a lot slower than it is even now, and it's still slow. I, uh, I had no desire to move. My family was just starting to do better economically, and I'm almost going to pay for my college and buy me a car and I was going to start traveling, snowboarding full time. And I had zero desire or interest to give up my life, to move somewhere that I didn't know anybody except my dad, who I didn't get along with, and go to Bible college when I've never even met a cool Christian. I, I had zero interest in giving up everything for this random request. But what I've learned is, is that when you're willing to give up your best, God somehow freed up to give you his. But many times we hold on to what we value the most. God, I'll give you parts of my life. I'll give you pieces of my future. I'll give you aspects of my gifts. I'll give you the leftovers of what I don't eat after I'm done. But I'm telling you that there's something about, listen, tithing's cool because it's not just the first 10 per, It's not just 10%. It's the first 10%. I would say equally important to the amount or the percentage is the priority of the placement. That's why Cain and Abel, it says this, that God accepted Abel's but rejected Cain's. Cain actually gave probably 10%, but he didn't give the first part. He gave it, it says, in the process of time, Cain brought an offering. Listen, God doesn't just have to be 10 or or the first, it's not just about being uh, a percentage, it's about being the first part of something. God can't be second. He's number one. If God, He's perfect. When he golfs, his score is 18. If he batted, he bats a 1,000. He's never missed. He's never been late. He's, he actually dictates what time is. He told Lazarus, remember all of his friends came and said, hey, your friend is dying. He's sick. He says, all right, good. I'll be there in two, three days. And here's the crazy part. Everyone thought, man, you're late. But when Jesus shows up, that's when the timing's right. He's not determined by we are, by making outcomes occur in certain timetables. Things happen when he shows up. That's why he's never late. That's why he's never early. And when you get an encounter with him, that's when it's always on time. This lady does not give God what's left over. She gives the very first. She gives the very best. She breaks open her livelihood, identity, security, desirability, and says, God, you're not going to get the leftover parts of my life. I'm going to give you the best. Listen, we have the best news on the planet. Jesus loves humanity. And I got news for you tonight. God doesn't love you because of you. He loves you in spite of you. The best things in my life happen in spite of me, not because of me. He is a God that is rich in mercy. And when you deserve a cosmic spanking, God gives you a cosmic hug. forgives he's rich in mercy you're watching some of you're watching even online right now you have no idea that god does not treat us the way that we deserve to be treated he treats us the way that jesus was deserved to be treated that's the good news of christianity i know i have the greatest news on the planet because every week for the last i don't know 15 years of preaching People come every week in the lobby of our church, our churches that we've been a part of, our conferences that I speak at, with crocodile tears in their eyes, going, Mark, I've been to clubs, I've been with girls, I've been with guys, I've done drugs, I've done everything you can imagine. I have looked for what I have found in this atmosphere. And I can boldly tell you that I'm not going to wait until I'm 90 years old on my sick bed to get right with Jesus and say, all right, God, I'm ready to sneak into heaven. You make no mistake about it. I'm going to give God the best years of my life. I'm going to give him my face before it has Botox. Come on. I'm going to give him my body before I get facelifts and lipo. Come on. I'm going to give him the best years of my life. He's not worthy of my leftovers. He's worthy of my first and my best. He's not my side dish. He's my main course. I challenge Orange County. Come on. Not Simon faith. How about wild faith that we're going to give God our main course all that I produce, all that I am, I give you the best. First Samuel 2.30, my life scripture. God says, I will honor those who honor me. But those who do not honor me, I, God speaking, will lightly esteem. You ever seen somebody that should have done great things, but they kind of lived an average life? What in the world happened? They, they were like so cool and popular and smart They had it all together, a great family. Why did they just do, why did they live an average life? And if you ever met someone else, you're like, dude, no one is betting on this guy. His name is Mark Francie. This guy ain't going anywhere. The only thing this guy, the only school this guy's ever going to go to is traffic school. This guy has no future. The only trip this guy's going on is some guilt trips. Come on. This guy has no future. But it's crazy that when you fully give God your very best, he will honor those who honor him. Man, I tell you today before God, Ryan, come on, honor the Lord. Watch where he takes your business. Shay, you honor the Lord. Watch where he takes your business. Rachel, you honor the Lord. Watch where he takes your future. Come on, Kenneth, honor the Lord. There's something about giving God the very best of what you produce. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're we're going all after God might sound old school today. We're going to serve the Lord. That sounds old school. I'm I'm cool with old school. I think this new world with no power needs some of the old school power of God. When you get back to the God that can change our, heal our past, give us the future. Would you stand your feet with me today? We're going to have main course faith in Oceans Church. Anybody believe that? Say amen if you believe it. Come on, give me a hand clap. That was a pathetic hand clap. Main course faith. I want God to bend me. The revivalist William Seymour, big part of Azusa Street, he prayed this years ago, probably about 60 miles north of where we're standing. He prayed this bold, audacious prayer. He said, God, bend me. God, bend me. This revival would strike Southern California because someone was so concerned with giving God their very best. God, I just want you to consume and to bend me. Bend me away from my desires. God, my egotistic, materialistic, selfish, carnal, fleshly, earthly, sensual, demonic. Bend me away from me. Would you bend me towards you? I want to live live a life that matters. I realize that the problem of the human condition is the problem of the human heart. At At the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. God, bend my heart towards you. Derek, come on, I want to honor God. I don't know how many days I have left, but every day I got, I'm going to give God my future. Come on, God has the best days in my life are still ahead of me. I'm not living in rearview mirrors. What does the Bible say? Paul says, one thing I do is I'm going to let go. I'm going to even at times, even forget about the things that need to be forgotten about. And I'm going to lay hold. I'm going to go after the things that God has in store for my future. Mark, I made too many mistakes. Well, grab a number, stand in the back of the DMV line, because we've all made too many mistakes. We're all dirty. We've all made filthy decisions. But God, come on, who is rich in mercy while we were still sinners. did you close your eyes all over the room today? I feel his presence in here. I feel some fire in this room. I'm telling you, man, some of you have been living in the smoke of Christianity. God's like, are you sick of the smoke? Why don't you get your own flame? God does not want us to live in the smoke of other people's flames. God wants you to burn with your own fire for God. Look, you can make fun of someone else's fire until you watch how how God uses their life to set the world on fire. You watch. God will do great things in this community because we're not scared of the fire of God, passion of God. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.